Podcast where we're talking to musicians of today and yesterday and hear all the stories that you probably haven't heard about. This week I sat down with my good buddy Travis Haley and uh, we talk about a whole plethora of musical things. Travis has been in a band with me for the last decade and he's been in quite a few bands over the last two decades or so. I don't know. He's been in a lot of bands. Travis is a super talented multi instrumental musician dude who uh, we talk a little bit about how he's constantly mistaken for having a really bad attitude. And it surprises me a little bit about how many stories he's got of... uh, He's just minding his own business and people want to fight him. And it's kind of funny like that. Uh, All kinds of fun stories and things in history of Travis here. Uh, But I will give you a warning. This is another one of those podcasts, unfortunately, hopefully the last one, where the equipment that I was using uh, is kind of janky. So there are some audio issues in this podcast, but look past them because this is a great interview and it's a great time with Travis. Uh, I made a real attempt to do noise reduction and things on this one, and I apparently I'm not very good at it. So instead, it sounds like we recorded this in a submarine, which I think sounds cooler anyway, but be aware. It's a little a little trickier for that, uh, but it still sounds great. I'm sorry to throw a bunch of warnings at the very beginning of this don't let it scare you off because it's a great podcast it's a great listen and travis is a great dude uh but i will have him back on again because there's more stories to tell with him uh but also to justify uh recording a better podcast so that he hasn't punched me in the face for going come on man seriously you finally get me on here and it sounds like this sorry but anyway it's a really good one so sit back and listen away well, let me pile on all the shitty episodes first and then we'll end with something to yeah, there you nice. go. Because, yeah, talking to Ryan last week was was good. I thought it was insightful, but then it just trailed off into just us ragging on you for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> he texted me after I made my post. Because I'm just trying to promote. Like, I'm just trying to help out, you know, what little, very small reach I have. And he's like, hey, I'm 35% sure you're mad at me. <laughs> just, just know it came from a place of love. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I thought that it was funny. Like, yeah, he, he messaged me. He goes, I think he's mad. I think I made a man. I'm like, we just talked about this on here. I'm like, we, we were just saying this. I'm like, I guarantee you it's not. Because, yeah, you saw that post. I laughed. I thought it was funny. I'm like, I get it now. But, yeah, no, he... he I told him, I was like, look, as you said, if I had a problem, <laughs> I would have said something. You could jump down. Sure shit wouldn't have shared the episode and tagged everybody. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm so mad. Please listen. What a sarcastic asshole we are. We're just going to jump in and yell at people. And... Well, and I reread it, and I'm like, I could see, like... And I was like, well, shit, maybe if people do think I'm mad, then they'll just listen to see what happens. Why? So I'm just going to leave it be. Absolutely. I mean, that's one way to look at it. It draws in the you know, the, the four people that yeah, have listened the, to it so far. Four new people I might bring it to. Yeah. I, I've, I've looked at the, um, the distribution status and the analytics and all that kind of stuff, and Anchor makes it sound so easy, like, oh, you put it on here, and it's it's available, like, within so many business days. I'm like, it's been 17. This hasn't gone anywhere yet. I'm like, I don't think it's going to. It does. It's not great. It's really not good. Their website isn't much better. But, uh, 
It's free. It's free. Yeah, no, I'm like, it, there's there's a place to have it. Because, when, again, when I tried to do this a couple years ago, I was trying to use, I don't remember what site it was, but it was like, you know, two total hours free, and then you had to pay for space and all this. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, that seems like a huge waste of time and energy for everybody. Because, you know, you know, years ago, they would call them podcasts. They'd be like these little five-minute snippets. I'm like, I'm not listening to that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to listen to 45 minutes or an hour or, or what have you. Whatever Jay's doing these days, I don't know. His, his, because I got worried about that. I was like, it needs to be a set. This, yeah. And then I looked at his, and he's got like here's an hour twelve. This one's forty five. Here's, here's this. And there's cat. He's about to throw up. Oh, good. That'll be a fun. Addition. Or at least cork. <laughs> I can never make him out. Classy. God. <laughs> Do your cats come in into your room at night? Or do they stay no, out? We, we keep the doors. The dog will sleep in there, but we keep mm-hmm. the door. So I've always been an animate about I don't want animals in the bed. Yeah. But this year, I started being like, all right, if if our cat comes in, all right, fine. I don't like it, but I'm getting used to it. Yeah. But she has decided that if she doesn't pop up on our bed in the middle of the night, she will sleep under our bed for some weird reason. Because we have it up on right. um, little stilt-looking things. But yeah, every once in a while, yeah, she'll like have a hairball in the middle of the night. So I wake up and say, ha, 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 ha. And you're just like, what is that sound? What is that? You know? And I, because it's in the middle of the night, it's dark. And yeah, there's something, and I can't, and the sound is reverberating from underneath. I'm like, this Jesus is Christ. terrifying. Yeah. I have, have, that's one of the things I've always hated with all the dogs is almost, almost all of them have a face like, like we have been mistreating forever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I have never so much as laid a finger on yep. you, and you're looking at me like I've been beating you with the belt and I just I don't get it dogs are stupid dogs are just on Twitter getting outraged <laughs> <laughs> could you believe what he said to me he oh said come God. here like he owns me I'm a dogster dogster is a thing apparently if you didn't know was it like Twitter for dogs no it was it, it was like Friendster but it was like if you, if you remember which I think was kind of like the precursor to Facebook but Dogster is, yeah, it's social media for dogs. Mm-hmm. So you create a social media account for your dog, and then it makes friends with other dogs. And... I hate this. <laughs> you could do it right now. You have a dog. You can have access. It's, it's like being at Chuck E. Cheese. As long as you have a kid, you can get in. <laughs> you can play whatever games you want. Do you like there you go. Which I think I read somewhere recently. That's not actually a thing. Of course, it's probably really frowned on, but you don't actually have the kid when you go in there. You can just go in. You could just really be in the whack and hole. Yeah. Which is, you know, electronic concerts. Yeah, and you know, I would I would be all for it if if they weren't just like ticket games. Yeah, it's the same thing with Dave and Buster's. I don't want to go to Dave and Buster's because they're all ticket games, and that's fine for a second. But I, I'm like, I want to play an actual game. Yeah, like, yeah. <clears throat> I'd say Little Rock needs a good like a barcade or something, but it wouldn't survive. No, in Little Rock. No, I guess in Little Rock, people just can't. We can't have nice things. No, we can't. Little Rock sucks the fun out of everything. It's terrible. How long have I? How long have we known each other now? Is it like two thousand seven? Bill's right. Something like that. Because let's see here. Yeah, I started working at yeah, two thousand seven. Because I started working at Target. I think you had just left Target, mm-hmm. um, and you guys were living in the house on the hill. Yeah. And, and from there, yeah. Um. How long before that have you been um, doing music? Because you've been in a couple of bands before Sleep Knowing, right? Yeah, I mean, I started doing 
bands and, and like junior high and stuff. So I mean, if you go back that far, sure. Uh, I kind of did the thing where joined the, the the band program in our school, fucking sixth grade, and played drums. And my my uh, I wanted the drums that my parents were like, you know, if you stick with this, yeah. And, <clears throat> so yeah, I got a drum set, and then kind of once you have a drum set, so well, well you got to do something with it. And yeah. I had you know friends who played music. So yeah, all through junior high and high school, I was in bands, off and on. Hmm. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's something I always wanted to do in high school. You know, I started going to concerts and things. I'm like, I want to do this, but I had no musical bone in my body. I, I was in band, but I played clarinet. I'm like, that, right. does, that doesn't translate over. And the only thing it was helpful for was learning how music works. You know, and structurally, and like notes, and, and being able to count time and everything. But you know, to be in a band, like I'm the clarinet player. I mean, they weren't good bands. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was, it's kind of like you know, what's under the Conway, where it was like the same group of people for the most part. It was the same thing there. It's like the same three or four people um, that we played different variations of of a band. But half the time, we didn't even have a singer. It was just us trying to do a cover song. Or two with no vocals and well we got a couple riffs right so that was good enough for us <laughs> uh, but through that I did meet of course I, I lived down the road from Anthony Helms who was in Burning the Past and so that's where we started doing music together and that was that was probably the first good band I was in was when he and I started writing music together I know when, when was that um I was maybe in 10th grade he was probably in now, he was probably in a, a, a 10th or 11th grade, and I was two years younger than him. Probably around my 8th or ninth grade year. But he, he would... It's kind of funny, because, like, it kind of the same way with the drums, that I wanted to play guitar, and my parents knew that I would stick with it. I would, I would do it. And so they got me a guitar and an amp, and I was learning, teaching myself how to play. And then he, he's like, I'm kind of interested, too. You know, so I let him borrow my guitar, and he had it for maybe a month. And when he gave it back to me, like, could play circles around me. Like, he just took to it. Uh, and then started writing songs and just stuff that would blow my mind. <laughs> like, um, yeah, we did that for a couple of years, but probably until he graduated. And then I went back with the the same shitty band, the <laughs> group of people I was in before. She came back with experience. Yeah, like, yeah, I know yeah. how. I know how to be terrible now. Better than terrible. I thought we sucked. Now I know we sucked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always got to start somewhere, I guess. Uh, yeah. For most people, you, you pop in, you. You learn your instrument, you find a bunch of people who kind of have an idea of it, but I, I feel like a majority of people who start doing music, yeah, they'll start some kind of punk band or something in high school, and at the time you're like, yeah, this is it, but you look back and you're like, this is awful. Oh, yeah. Well, and the worst part was for some of those, especially towards the end, um, a couple of the guys got really into, I guess, more of the shock performance of the whole thing. I mean, we got we played a school dance and got kicked out of it. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Remember. I think one of the guys had worn like a American flag as a dress or something. We were covering like a Marilyn Manson song or something. It wasn't a good. Uh, like I don't know why they booked us. I don't know why we tried to get it booked. I was just showing up and playing drums, but yeah, that kicked out of a school dance. Oh, that, that's something you can put on your resume of music. <laughs> I did this. I never got to play a school dance. Uh, so I also I don't think we you either didn't put mats down on, uh, under my drum kit or they weren't good enough and I scuffed the hell out of the floor oh. at the school. I thought you were gonna say you started sliding away, but that's that's better. Oh, that happens all the time. <laughs> Whoop! There we go. I've mastered the walking drum set. There you go. Yeah. 
these are the details of things that I don't understand because I'm not a drummer and it's always like you gotta have a carpet down I'm like why I'm like watch and yeah you see it slowly oh, yeah. going away yeah. like an old uh, washing machine or something like that <laughs> Just popping on out of there alright so so you did some stuff in high school and then did you just kind of say hold on this until you got to college or what so Anthony um, went to governor's school like his junior or senior year and he met Shane Baskins there mm -hmm. And the band that we were in went to a studio in Jonesboro to record like a little five song EP. Oh. And uh, Shane showed up in the studio for the day. And I've, I've met him a couple times. Like he would come over uh, for the summer, like, you know, we could just hang out. So I got to know Shane before I went to college. And so when I went to UCA, I knew Shane was there. Mm -hmm. Bumped into him and we started talking uh, just about music, catching up because it had been a year or two since we'd seen each other and then started forming a band there. And so that's kind of how I started doing music in, in Conway. Was, with Shane, uh, and he knew this other guy named Devin, who played bass, and Shane could you know, play guitar, drums, and, and sing, I could do guitar and drums or whatever, and so we, we started a band called uh, Salt Line that, for the most part, we would just trade instruments, like half the songs I played on drums, half the songs I played on guitar, vice versa for Shane, yeah. yeah. Um, it was an interesting band, like, a lot of... Uh, electronic elements in it and stuff. I mean, we're still a rock band, but, you know, yeah. we had electronic drums and we hook up to a keyboard and get some crazy-ass sounds out of it. Like, it was it was a fun project. Hmm. Um, okay. I, I, I feel like I'd heard about that before, but then after a while, nobody talked about the past anymore. We realized, we're moving forward. We're not going to talk about other people or others. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> But I feel like I had heard of, but then didn't hear anything else other than, yeah, I, I played with Shane in college. Well, and, and, and honestly, that band, for the most part, kind of killed my love of music after a while. Oh, that's good. And it wasn't, it wasn't anybody in the band. It was just, we were always practicing and not really doing much. And it just, it got to the point where it started being more of a, a an obligation than a hobby, I guess, oh, no. you know? And so we, we just kind of split, you know, went our separate way, you know, went our separate ways. We still hang out, we still do whatever. It just the band became more of a an afterthought for all of us. And so I didn't play music for like two years until, and then I started working at Target, where apparently the hub of all the bands from this uh, era <laughs> formed. And and I think Ryan talked about this a little bit when he was on. That so the way I remember it was. There was this guy named Brian who worked there, and Ryan was there, and they had just started a band, and they were looking for another guitarist. And it was kind of like uh, this situation where neither one of them, they were both kind of learning how to do music like in, in a band type thing. Like, you know. And so I was like, you know, I've got some experience playing in a band. Um, I've played guitar in some bands in high school, and so I thought, like, you know, if you need a guitarist, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come and check it out. And it was one of those that what they were doing <laughs> Brian was dating a girl who really liked a certain type of music like the kind of the screamo type and that's what he was trying to write and it, it, it I don't like that type of music uh, for the most part so I was just like you know I'll whatever I'm playing music I guess I'm not like the people involved for, for the most part uh, but they were like well it, like the, his girlfriend wasn't there one day and goes, well we've been writing this other song she doesn't like it. She doesn't want us to play it. But what do you think? And it was great. Uh, it was uh, it was the 
I think it was the basis for a lot of your shadow oh. from uh, Sleep Mine. And I was like, that. That sounds a lot more natural. That sounds a lot more like what this outfit is built for. This is what you should pursue. And of course, that pissed her off. She left. They had another drummer that uh, was there that I don't think I met once. Oh. I met one practice and that was it. But that was kind of the groundwork for Sleep Mine. But when she left, I think they broke up. Because it was built on a very strong relationship. It sounds like it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just started writing music together. And then uh, Mike Carrion came in to play drums. And he was one of the most technically gifted drummers I have ever heard in my life. Uh, one of my favorite drummers is Jimmy Chamberlain from the mm-hmm. Smashing Pumpkins. And that's who he sounded like. Oh. like he, he could do the, that jazz-type fills, but in a rock band setting. And oh. it, it, just, it was amazing. But there was some personality conflicts there uh, and also with Brian uh, he, so there was you know once Nick joined as a singer that we played a few shows and you could tell the people who were really into it having a good time and then there was these two other guys who just were not having a good time it was becoming a pretty toxic environment mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember who left first I think Brian was just like one day we had a practice he's like alright well I'm going home he's like alright dude well yeah see you later and he never came back to another practice <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when uh, David Ridland joined and I, I don't remember what happened with Mike I think we were practicing at my house up on the hill and yeah, I had a roommate who worked overnight and he was cool with us practic- practicing in the garage but it was like hey keep all the doors shut you know I, I can sleep through anything but you've got to work you know insulate the sound the best you can and somebody went to go Use the bathroom or something and left the doors open and people started just playing their instruments. And all I did was just kind of look up, I see the door open, and I'm like, and I get up and I go shut the door. I come back, Mike looks at me and he's like, You got a fucking attitude problem. <laughs> and at this point, we had already had conversations about, like, dude, Mike sucks. Like, he's just a bitter person. And I was like, You know what? Get the fuck out of my house. Just leave. You're nice. done. You're done. Well, I don't have a ride. My girlfriend brought me here. <laughs> That's not my problem. Get your shit and get out of my house. Jeez. So that was the first person I've ever fired. Yeah. <laughs> I was laying down the law. Man. All I said was, fuck. I gotta go close the door. <laughs> like, that was it. That was it, man. Well, I didn't throw a fit. I just kind of sighed. Just taking it personally. Maybe he likes open doors and he's just got a different <laughs> kind of policy. <laughs> open door policy where he's from. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so, yeah, that was kind of sleep knowing. And then that also kind of just petered out after a little bit. Um, we tried to do a few things, you know, uh, try to revive it a few times. We did, uh, also, <laughs> I'm going to reference the Ryan episode a lot because I was, I almost mentioned a bunch and we ran in a lot of the same circles. <laughs> so we got some different sides of the same stories, but, uh, the, the fight outside of the venue, uh, at soundstage. Oh yeah. So we hadn't played in probably a year and. We, we started practicing again. You know, we started getting ready for a show. And we went out. I mean, we were hanging out flyers. We, we were doing everything you're supposed to do to advertise, right? Mm-hmm. And we we show up. By, we go to a show there like the night, a couple nights before. And I remember standing in line waiting. And there was this kid who was like, you know, way younger than us. And he points at the flyer that I made. And said, hell yeah, that's going to be fucking awesome. You know, like I, my ego swelled. I'm like, oh my god, people care. Like, you know, because 
And so we, we go for the for our show, we load up, and there's like four people there. Oh. And that kid wasn't there, so I never oh. see him playing a sleeper <laughs> hold or something. And yeah, I mean, it was just deflating, right? And uh, I mean, we busted our asses on promoting in a, in a pre-social media world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but we get there, we're loading in, and uh, Brandon, the dude who owns Soundstage, was just like, you know, this band's going to go on and play for this long, this band's going to go on and play for this long. You, you guys, as far as I'm concerned, this is your homecoming. Play as much as you want. You know, because we always had a really good relationship there. And we start playing, and I see him walk in maybe 30 minutes into our set and looks at the sound guy, and he's just like, two more. That's it. Cool. And that pissed me off, yeah. right? But it is what it is. So we finish up, loading our gear in the street, and I'm hot about everything, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm mad that I didn't get to play three more songs for five people. <laughs> uh, so I get the drum loader in the car, and I just slam the door. I'm just blowing off steam. Brandon's right there in my fucking face, just like, you know, uh, you get your shit, get the fuck out of here. Slamming doors. I'm like, I slammed my car door on the street. You don't own the street. I've done nothing to you or your property. You have no right to be getting in my face right now. Then he starts talking about how, like, you know, you don't even advertise for shows. You need to hang a fucking flyer uh, at the venue. And the sound guy's girlfriend's, like, um, pointing at our flyer. It's like, <laughs> try again, bud. But yeah, he gets all up in my face talking about how, you know, he's got to pay his employees and we're not bringing people and we just wait to his time and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, but he's, like, getting in my face, like, balled, balled up his fist, ready to go. Like, telling me, like, let's go around back. Jeez. And I didn't. I mean, I did, I'm not a violent person by nature. I'm just like, man, fuck off, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. So that was the last time we played, I think, anything with, with Sleep Knowing was that. Yeah. So two stories of, like, the exact same thing. You, and, and maybe that's just what it is. Maybe you have this, this aura that I've talked about where it's like there's an aura of authority, of, of intimidation of some kind, and then people immediately take that to... This guy's angry and scary. Let's let's cause a problem here. I, I mean, I've got. I never. I mean, you've seen pictures of me. I never look happy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I always look like I'm pissed off and tired, and I'm usually just tired. Um, and I, and I'm a big guy, so I, I don't know if that brings people. You know, brings that. Uh, you know, I'm gonna kick the shit out of the biggest dude in the room to express my dominance or something. But yeah, it's it just I'm, I'm. It's drawn to me, I guess. It's, it's got. There's got to be something about it that you just, you just drawing douchebag people who are like, I'm gonna pick a fight with him because why not? Ah, He's expressing his anger, and I don't like it. I don't care for this. Person. He's not hurting anybody or property, but this guy's going down. Exactly. Jeez. That <laughs> just that, that. That's one of those things that you know. If you, yeah, if you're being a dick to somebody or you're causing a scene, then yeah, people get mad about something, yeah. but. When you do nothing and people get mad at you for it, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, like, there was a time in um, my, uh, my my last year, my senior year of college, I remember I moved into a new apartment. I had two friends, or two of my roommates, but I had uh, three other roommates in there. So there's way too many people in this, this tiny apartment. And I just, I make the conscious effort. I'm like, it's my last two semesters. I've got my friends. I've got my situations here. I need to concentrate whatever i don't care what anybody else is doing anybody else thinks i'm just gonna mind my own business if i befriend my other roommates fine great if not i'm just gonna be polite and, do that. and that's exactly what i'd come home they'd be on the living room i'm like hey how's it going i go straight to my room i'm doing my i'm studying i'm doing all these kind of things 
and then like midway through the semester, uh, I'm I'm in the kitchen. I'm on on my laptop at the at the counter there. And my roommate comes and he's just mad as anything. He'd been out of town for the weekend. And I wave. I'm like, hello. He's like, eh. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And he comes and he sees the kitchen is super dirty because one of my other roommates like to cook. And so he, you know, he would he would cook these big extravagant Sunday dinners and invite friends over. And then he'd take a nap. And then he'd come back and he yeah. And then he'd clean up the dishes afterwards. But right. you know, he, he, there's a mountain of dishes you know in there for like hours. But so he's already mad at something. He comes home. He sees these dishes. There's no dishes. I'm like, he's just muttering. I'm like, I'm just, just going to ignore it. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And then he just gets ticked off, and he turns around, and he, like, picks up the, uh... <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's good. He picks up the, uh, something out of the counter. It's like a pot or something. He chucks it at the wall. He's like, what the hell? Well, there's always so many dishes in the sink. I'm like, how don't you calm down? It's like, why don't you leave me alone? I'm like, why don't you fuck, fuck off? You yeah. know, and he's like, don't swear at me. I'm like, don't yell at me. And so now he's, like, standing I'm like... Cause I'm just mad now. I'm like, cause he's yeah. just sick. Cause he, right, then he turns around. He like slams my laptop shut. And then that's, you know, those moments in life where like, things make you mad, but there's something that triggers when you snap, and you don't even realize. You stand up and you come like, yeah. I'm a little guy. Who am I gonna hurt? You know. And yeah. I stand up. And I'm like, that's when I'm like, you better fucking stop that. You know. And he starts yelling. He goes, you're always here and you're rude and <laughs> you don't want to be friends with everybody. We all try to be nice to you and everything. I'm like. What? You're mad at me because I'm not being your friend? What? I wave and I say hi. He goes, you never want to do anything with me. I don't have to. And no, I don't like you. Just... So the semester that I, you know, I'm consciously like, I'm going to mind my own business. I almost get in a fist fight with my roommate. I'm like, this is ridiculous. What is it about just doing your own thing that draws people in that want to fight you sometimes? I don't just... know, man. I don't know. I, 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 I've got... <laughs> One of my buddies' ex-wives, she was the kind of person, like, every time I saw her, she had a story about, like, either, like, a fist fight or, like, damn near a fist fight with somebody else. It's like, and I was like, I think some people are just, like, that's just drawn to them. Like, <coughs> and, and maybe it's, <laughs> some people just have that magnet that's just like, I'm, people are going to be pissed at me. People are going to take a swing. Some people are just ready to throw hands at yeah. Oof. Um, the other trait I have is that I'm invisible on stage. I'm invisible on stage. Um, I didn't see it so much with T3, um, but with like sleep knowing uh, and some degree burning the past. I remember several, several times that like we'd be unloading gear, right? And getting everything off the stage. And of course, at the venues we play at, it's always you're just walking into the audience. Yeah. And there's always be uh, Tracy or Derek or Anthony or whoever in front. And people walking by and be like, oh, yeah, good, good show, man, great show, great show. I could walk by them with cymbal stands in my hand. Dude, that band is fucking good. Did you see them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote the song. Thanks. Yeah. It happened so many times. I mean, partially, you're the drummer, and nobody can see the drummer half the time. It happened but... to sleep knowing when I was guitarist and backing vocals. Uh -huh. That people just didn't like you. I, I mean, that's fair. that's fair. They were good. You suck, sir. Yeah. Well, maybe you just needed to dress very extravagantly or something. Nobody ever mistake me for not being mm -hmm. in the band when I came off the stage. They're like, oh, you're that dude that was flailing for the last half hour. I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> very bright pants. We saw you, sir. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was the um, 
the coolest thing ever uh, when I met because I met Nick mm-hmm. that, that summer when I was working at Target and he by happenstance was friends with a friend of mine on Facebook who was putting out our just terrible introductory two three recordings mm-hmm. but he saw me as a fellow musician and I had no business anywhere <laughs> but he thought it was and he got it he thought it was funny yeah, he thought yeah. it was interesting and so he's like oh you know, I've got, I've got, we've got a band here, and we're doing stuff here. You should come by, and I'm like, so to him, I'm, he's thinking I know what I'm talking about. And to me, I'm like, oh, I can be around people with actual instruments and things. <laughs> and it was the coolest thing ever for me to go to your house there, and yeah, because you guys just left your amps, yeah. everything. It was there's like five bands that yeah. practiced there. So like. there's just it was just a treasure trove of equipment. And I'm walking, I'm like, oh, playground. Oh, this is amazing, yeah. And then, you know, years later, I go, oh, that's just that's just how people do things. Yeah. But you know, I'd never seen it before. And yeah, just find out that there's already well, we have three bands performing and recording and playing and in that that little space, and I'm like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And he's like, you should come see our show. I go see, I go see you see you guys in Sleep Knowing. I go see you see guys in the Fairies. I go see you guys in Resident. The, the other one, <laughs> <laughs> the actual <laughs> good one, <laughs> Reticent. <laughs> Can't talk now all of a sudden, but. Yeah, and I guess it was exciting every time to see that because, you know, and I, and I think I've either talked about it on here before or talked to somebody. There's a uh, there's a definite uh, ceiling of like like it's higher ceiling, not not ceiling things together, but mm-hmm. like of you know you when you first start hearing music or. or movies or whatever it is and you, you see somebody in a piece of media and you, you associate them with that and then if you see that person in real life it puts them up you know a couple right. of notches and that and yeah that maybe that's where the initial intimidation of you for me because I guess I'm popping back on that train <laughs> came from it's a big part of our history yeah because you know I'm like because half the stuff in there is like oh Travis lives here I'm like who's Travis oh Travis is our guitarist you know and I see pictures and in all the pictures you're looking you know, scary and intimidating, but yeah. you're, you're rocking, and so I'm like, ooh, and he's like, all oh, this stuff here, I'm like, oh, neat, and he goes, yeah, but don't touch it. Travis doesn't like when people touch these things. You know? Not not in a, like, don't touch it, but it was just like... Who touched my knobs? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's got he's got settings in here. I'm sure, in a, in a sense of that, I'm like, oh, and then there's the mystery of, of like, who is Travis? Who is this guy that doesn't want me to touch him? I'm like, I don't, I don't need to touch these equipment. I don't need to do these things here. <laughs> and it just built from there, so... Uh. So blame it on Nick. That's Let's, cool. let's blame it all on Nick. It's, yeah, it's always Nick's fault. Oh, man. Girls and reticent. <laughs> those are those are adventures. Man. I'm not kidding when I say it. Reticent was the good band. Like, during that. Because I was in all three. I was in Sleep Knowing Fairies and Reticent at the same time. And that sucks. Don't ever do three bands at once. Talk about making, making somebody hate music. Uh... Yeah, we were doing Sleep Knowing, and I ran into Shane again. He introduced me to Chris, uh, who was trying to... who had, I think it already had, like, some iteration of the Flaming Death Fairies a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like, But he was trying to revive that, but also working on this more serious stuff. And so, yeah, I played bass in the Fairies for a little bit with Chris and Shane and, and Ryan, and then later Tracy. Um yeah, reticent man. It was just the three of us. It was just the three. And all I did was show up and play drums. I didn't write anything. I didn't suggest anything. I was just, just let's say, just shut up and play drums because Chris and Shane riding together was, I thought, pure magic. But they did that. That was some of the uh, 
best shows, I think. I mean, we were just tight from out the gate. Playing, and that was like the first time I played like Rev Room and, and things like that, you know, where it felt like a, a step up from yeah. dingy, dingy clubs. But man, there was some there was some personality conflicts there too. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing. Uh, I only got to see you guys a couple of times, but I was always in awe of. I mean, other than the vast difference of you know the nature of you guys would play more often with the fairies, was, you know, which I hated. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 it very my speed. If, yeah. if anyone's listening who cares to give a shit about it, imagine like the most a, a shitty punk band whose whole goal is to be offensive. Like even in a pre woke world, like there was way too many gay jokes for my liking. Like it, it was just it wasn't a good scene. Like I hated it. But yeah, I felt like it was kind of a package deal to be in the band I did like. I needed to be in this shitty band that I didn't have much I like playing bass I like playing bass that was fun but yeah. man that was not a good scene but yeah I, I'd seen I'd seen the fairies more and I'm like okay it's a comedy band it's a punk band so it was a little, a little more loose a little thing mm-hmm. and then like oh but you gotta see Reticent because I'm like well it's the, the same thing like no 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 it's, it's, it's entirely different and yeah to see this I'm like that's where I got to see okay these, are, these guys are all like real super talented musicians not that, you know, some of the stuff in, in, in the fairies wasn't, you know, necessarily, like, talent or anything. Right. It, you have to have talent. You have to have catchy things. Sure. It. But obviously, you know, it was more of a, hey, we're going to do a good job, but also kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. That's the nature of that. Yeah. But then you get to Reticent, and it's like, ooh, this, yeah, like you said, this is tight. This is well put together. This is, I, this is a band I could see yeah. hearing yeah. on. Yeah. I could see hearing on TV. <laughs> But it was good stuff. It was. Um... Yeah, I, I hated that that had to end. But for my own sanity, I mean, besides external forces in that band that were trying to make it something that it wasn't or wasn't ready to be, and just being in three bands and trying to have a career, like it was. I, I, that was probably the <laughs> second time where I was like, "Hey, I think I'm done with music for for a while," <laughs> um, or at least playing with that group of people. No. Uh, and that's around the time I started writing music uh, with Tracy. She quit the fairies around the same time I did. Um, we were just getting to know each other and you know being friends. And her whole thing, because she had been not going to you know too much personal information that you know, I'm not going to share on her behalf. She was in a really shitty relationship uh, prior to meeting me. That, but you know he, he played guitar, you know and. Wanted to, you know, she always she always wanted to sing. She always wanted to do music in the band, and of course, he would always, "You're not good enough to do it." Blah blah blah. Just you know, just destroy her uh, her self confidence. And so when we started writing music together, that was the goal: is we're going to play one show because mm-hmm. she had an experience she wanted. She wanted to sing on stage and play. And so I started writing stuff with her at her apartment, and of course, through that we became closer and started dating and married and now with a kid. But that was the goal. It was one show, which it ended up turning into, I think, exactly 40 uh, by the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, by the time we kind of pumped pump the brakes on that. Mm-hmm. And that, that was that was a lot of fun, too. Uh, just because, I mean, it started as just me and her writing music, but then it turned into when, you know, like Derek joined and, and Anthony came back um, to, you know, just like in my life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it was just a collaborative effort on everybody uh, writing. It was just it, it was music like like with with T three. I love doing that stuff, but that's not my normal style of music. Right. right? Yeah. But Burn the Past was absolutely like this is my bag. This is so yeah, that was always a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's always you know good when you you have an outlet for various things. But yeah, when you find that niche of like this is my, this is my thing. This is my bread and butter specific especially in like like the creative world um yeah you put more energy into it you put more effort into it you have you have higher highs and lower lows and things because it's like this is my definite definite passion um and yeah it can it can kind of tell that i'm like i didn't show up at your practices very often or, or see you guys writing or things but you could definitely tell you know as as burning the past was chugging along it's like okay this is definitely something that travis is very very vested in, um, very, very guarded is not the word I'm looking for, but like there'd be a lot of times because you know we'd be running T3 and burning the pass right around the same line, um, and it, it, yeah, I would get not not annoyed, but it's like there'd be times I'm like, hey, let, this is you know we've got this opportunity for this thing, and you're like, well, let me see what's what burn the pass is doing, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, sure, through gritted teeth, yeah. you know, because it's not like a jealousy thing, but it's just like a this is my passion thing. Yeah, it's like yeah, your passion. Yeah. It's like the two passions are crashing. Yeah. But, it's like, but it makes sense. You know, it's yeah. like, it's great. Well, and that's, I always like, I've found as I've always bitten off more than I probably should musically, that I've, I've liked having these different types of outlets. Like with Sleep Knowing, I was more of a songwriter um, than I was, say, in Fairies or uh, Reticent. But I got to play drums in one band. I got to play bass in one band. I got to play guitar in one band. And with Burning the Past and, and T3, it was kind of the same thing, where Burning the Past was my baby, mm-hmm. right? Even though I was playing the drums, I'm still very active in what's being written, and I, I hate using the term, the, you know, the leader of it, but that was kind of the vibe, right? Like, yeah. So that was the one where I was like, okay, if this fails, this is on me. Uh, for T3, you know, you're more of the leader of that, so all I get to do is show up and write some songs, have fun, and Oddly enough, that style of music that we were doing, that, that is more the style of my natural songwriting, mm-hmm. I guess, style. Yeah. But with Burning the Past, I would always try to push myself to be a little more different than what I was comfortable with. Right. So it, it was scratching both those itches, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Good. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the musician in you doing you know, the extra mile where the rest of us are like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> I remember, I remember when uh, I joined T3 because uh, I think Chris had kind of left you in limbo. Yeah. And <coughs> when you, you know, hey, you know, you, do you want to be the guitarist? Because I've joined bands before. I'm like, I'm just going to be the high gun. I'm just going to do what, whatever was done before. I'm just filling in those shoes. And I was like, okay, I'll join, but I'm not going to be just a guitarist. Like, I'm going to write. I'm going <laughs> to. So, yeah, if, 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 if that's not cool, say no now. <laughs> yeah, because that's, I, you know, when you were in those other three bands all at once, because we didn't have a guitarist, we had one uh, for a hot minute, and then he's like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm moving." Hmm. Basically, basically the same thing. He's like, he's yeah. just like, "I'm out of here," and then we're like, "Oh, okay, now what?" Because to me, this being like the beginning of this, this is my shitty high school beginning yeah. band because this is the only thing I've ever done. So all of my hopes and dreams are getting pinned into this. Whereas everyone else is like. No, Robert. This is just some noise we're making. And to me, I'm like, no, this is a band, and we. I fought every step of the way there, but yeah, we're like, we're looking for a guitarist. I'm like, I don't know any guitarists. 
Now, now that I look back on, I'm like, no, I knew a lot of guitarists. I just don't, didn't know that they played guitar. Right. Like, yeah. For instance, you know, all this time, the only reason that Derek played drums for us was because uh, we were like, we were telling him about Teeth Through Waller at work, and he's like, he goes, I play drums. Well, you want to come be our drummer? And he's like, okay. And it's not until way later he goes, no, I don't really play drums. Guitar is my thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think it worked out for the best. Yeah, and and it did because he, you know, him being the amazing musician that he is, you know, he he picked it up and he. He put the effort into it and made it work. I will still listen to some of our stuff, and and for somebody who quote unquote didn't play drums, some of the the just the beats he came up with, the little flourishes he did, like that's some season shit. Like, yeah. like I, I'm just I listen to it, and I'm amazed. I'm just like, how the fuck did he think of that? Like, was he just flailing and lucked into it, or like does he really know what he's doing and just jerking us around, jerking us around? But yeah, but you know, I was like, oh, I couldn't. Um, because I'd, I'd floated your name to Nick and said, what about, what about Travis? He can play you. No, Travis is... <laughs> Dude, Nick's Travis... worst, the worst PR guy <laughs> in the world. But, it, you know, to be fair, at the time, it wouldn't have. Because, yeah, you were in three different yeah, bands. That, yeah. was, that was absolutely not going to happen. And what I was looking for was just was not going to work. But then later, yeah, you would... It was after a show. You, I think, I think it was one of the shows at the soundstage. We all went out to eat afterwards. And you're like, hey, if you ever need no, yeah, someone to step in. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And then the opportunity arose for a show, and I'm like, we need somebody here, and you you thankfully popped in. And then afterward, I, I don't remember the conversation, but I'm sure somewhere in there, I don't think I just assumed that you were just on board from here, but I'm pretty sure I asked, hey, do you want to just stay on? Maybe I didn't. Maybe I was just like, so I don't you're remember. here now. I don't know. I think it was just I live here now. It's something like that. But yeah, I don't... That That's one of the things, is, is you're talking about going in and being like, well, I'm going to write to it. I'm, we didn't have... A, a set way to do things mm-hmm. until you came on board and I don't think it was a conscious effort of like this is how we're going to structure things because before it was just somebody would come up with a riff of something and we just kind of dogpile it until we kind of sort of formulated something and then when, when Chris came in I guess from more of his experience than ours he was like okay well let's structure this. he helped structure these yeah. things especially on the guitar because my god <clears throat> that was rough uh, and then you came in and you're like, this is how I do things. I'm like, oh. And you had already been working with Nick, so you could pull him in line and Derek being a musician and there's there. I'm like, oh, this is all just forming right in front of my eyes. <laughs> and, and some of the times with my practices, I'd get a little bored, but I'm like, no, but this is fine. I'm sitting here observing as you guys would take, you just pull something out of thin air and then within 20 minutes, we have the foundation of a song because you guys are just collaboratively just throwing the stuff in. And meanwhile, Bill and I are just sitting here looking at each other going like, ah. But then I look at Bill and I go, why are you not playing? Yeah, yeah, like, I'm writing. Yeah. You need to be doing something. He goes, Here Step we go. up. Woo! Roller coaster noise. <laughs> yeah, how, how people write music has always fascinated me. You know, I, I've asked different people in different bands, like, what's your process? You know, some people start with with lyrics and mm. then they took, put that and I'm like, I don't have an answer. That's always just like a mishmash. I don't, I don't think there is a good answer. No. And that's my favorite part of the whole process. Like, you know, we're not really, you know, quote unquote active anymore. We're you know, recording things off and on that will that maybe at some point be released. But that's my favorite part. Playing shows is great. Booking shows is hell. Doing shows, except for the part where you're on stage, is the worst. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it's it, studio's fun, too. But, like, the writing process is, to me, the most rewarding, uh, the most fun, the most... Uh, but you just get to try things, you know. And yeah. If something sucks, it sucks. If you know, but 
That's my favorite part, is this thing. There's nothing like that feeling of you're playing around with something, especially, yeah, with a guitar or keyboard or something, and you're like, ah, this is, this is good, and then you happen to, like, hit a pedal and change just the tone, you go, oh, that's it, there it is, yeah. and it just clicks in. And I get stuck a lot in the writing process where, like, oh, I've got to write a, a cool riff or something, you know, and then I, I will just have the worst writer's block because everything, I hate everything I write. And so, you know, I used to do like, oh, let me play on the acoustic for a little bit and I'll write, you know, bang out a few songs and then just the well goes dry. Oh, let me bring up the electric. Kind of the same thing, but then it's like, you can make beats, you can write shit to beats, why don't you do that? For, you know, and so there's just so many different ways you can attack it, so I don't think there's a right way or a normal way of doing it, it's just whatever inspiration hits at the time. Mm. How'd you guys do it with Burning the Past? Was it more... It probably started with you at yeah, first, and yeah. then it kind of meshed out. Right? Originally, I had written like three songs, I think, on acoustic, and Tracy had written lyrics to those. Mm-hmm. And when it was, you know, she was like, "I want to do a band. I want to, you know, I don't want to do an acoustic show. I want to do a band." And so I sat down with uh, uh, Guitar Pro, I think, and I would start you know, having out all the music and start because my thing is, I, I'm not good at hearing multiple parts in my head at a time. Mm-hmm. But if I can have somebody playing a part, then I can write to that. And right. so, since I didn't have that, that's what I was doing. I would just, you know, tab out something I had written down, and then start writing on that and building on that and writing drumbeats. And so, when we first started um, with the original group of guys, um, it was kind of like <laughs> going into high school bands. Like, okay, here's your, here's your, here's your, <laughs> here's your parts. You play this on bass. I'll play this on drums. You play this on guitar. And then, as you know, we got. Uh, as we started, you know, getting more comfortable with each other, and people started, because uh, it was never like I'm writing, you're playing my part. That's just what we had at the yeah. time. And as people started getting more comfortable with it, uh, we started bringing new things to the table. Is we would just start building off of that. And I, I think everything really changed when Anthony joined, um, because I am not a good guitarist. I, you know, I, I I can play some things, write some things, and I can make things. I can cheat my way around making things sound good off very mediocre stuff. Mm-hmm. Derek was an amazing guitarist. Anthony was an amazing guitarist, and also an amazing songwriter. And so it was just, you know, we would have songs that I think the, the deepest cut when we first wrote it. It was it was okay. It was just an okay song, but we recognized this is just an okay song. We need to spice this up, and it, it was just one practice. They spent maybe 20, 30 minutes while we were all like, you know, taking a break, just hammering out these different licks where they were feeding off each other and just bouncing ideas back and forth. And we came back and we restructured the song and it turned into what it is now, mm-hmm. where it's just really just dueling guitar the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really kind of the magic moment. It was like, this is what it is. Like, you know, everybody's confident with what they're doing. They can bring it in and we can bounce ideas off each other and work around each other. And so that's really kind of how it came. I would still write stuff and present it and people would start building off that. So it's not me writing their parts for them anymore. Mm-hmm. They were comfortable enough with what I was doing and I was comfortable enough with what they would bring to the table that we would just have an idea and all just throw in our little ingredients to it. Mm-hmm. But you know, and if we had an idea, it's like, hey, instead of doing that on bass, try this or Tim Dragon guitar. So, like, there was one part we, uh, we, <laughs> we were in the studio recording our EP and how we always do it live on this one song was there was like I think it was the deepest cut. There was just a uh, dueling solo that happened, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's empty." You know, we need, it, we need there needs to be like a rhythm part in the, in the background. And uh, 
don't remember what it was. Like Derek was busy or like he had stepped outside or something. And Anthony's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, why? He's like, ah. Like, I think we're just lazy. He's just like, fucking done, man. So like, fuck, give me your guitar. So I go in and knock it out real quick. Uh, so we did. It was just kind of that. We just, whatever needed to be done, we'd do it. I don't want to do it. Is it a bad idea? No, I just don't want to do it. Well, that's the sound of the family right there. That's mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Just, I mean, I've known that dude since I was a kid, so he's just like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's. I've, I've I've you know with, with my my limited experience of being in, in bands and things, like you're saying, that's always been my my curiosity of how other people do that, especially when you have more the more moving parts you have, um, you know, the more of a mess it can be as well. Hmm. But if, if everybody's on the same page and get it, it makes something really unique. Um, I always wonder what it would be like to have two guitars in a band. Just, just to see what would happen yeah. with it. I feel like yeah, writing that would be kind of interesting, exciting. We've we've done that a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, it's just more like writing two parts to it, but yeah. it wouldn't be like, hey, you're writing a part, and here's a mysterious second guitarist doing something. But I mean, I mean, when we whenever we finish the, the album, we're sort of working on. I mean, there's some of those tracks have like ten or twelve guitar parts. <laughs> Yeah, I think that popped up in my time hop recently. I, uh, yeah, when we when the uh, I think I was like, this this I exported all the tracks for the re- the reworked version of Ken, and it has 12, 12 guitar tracks. What the hell is this? What is this mess? <laughs> Why did you do this? It's just this wall of sound, but it, it fits all in there. Like together. I said, I, I'm a very mediocre player and songwriter, but I find ways to mask that. With way too much music. You see music as like a 3D puzzle, whereas I see it flat on paper. That's what I feel like. That's really, that's fair. I like that. Because I can't count how many times where I've gone back and looked at the different music stems of our stuff, and I'll, I'll have something on the guitar muted, and I'm like, wait, what is this? I've never heard this before. And I'm listening to just a, a singled out track, and I'm like, and then I put another track on top of it, and I go, oh. That's what you did. You, you came in one direction, then you kind of veered to the right over here, and then the second track came from the right and veered to the left, and it kind yeah. of filled in the space. I'm like, oh, that's what it sounds like. Ah, all right, you're way ahead of me here. Okay, that's, that's the fine. shit I love. I love that. It's stuff. fascinating. I love that. Yeah, that's that's the only kind of stuff that you can do. I mean, you can you can fiddle with stuff like yeah. when you're playing live, but you're right. Yeah, when you're recording, you, you just, it's a it's a canvas. You fill it yeah. in and plug it in your ear holes and see what you come up with there. Which is always kind of a um, a shame to me. I feel like that so many super talented, uh, like local level bands, will come through, and and you know most of us are just kind of eh, we're here doing our thing. But there are you know some diamonds in the rough that have come and gone. Uh, that maybe out of their entire catalog, they had one or two songs that were like if this was on the radio, yeah. this would have made it. Um, and, and it's only until recently. Maybe maybe bands that are recording now have the, more of a luxury, but, you know, 10 years ago when we were all in our prime, I'll say, because mm. we're all old and, mm-hmm. and tired now, uh, you know, we, we didn't have any way to record things other than, like, a, a laptop and a PC mic right. stuck up there. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, we're going to go to the studio. Well, it's not like a, a major label band. We're like, we have a week in the studio to play around and write our songs. Like, no, you got to go in there with it because every minute yeah. counts there. Yeah. you got to have that shit, like, 
perfect. Oh yeah, and it, and it's a real shame because there's like there's there's a ton of bands that have come and gone um, that I I'm like I, did they exist? And I, did, what what was this song? What was this thing here? Um, I was talking to Jameson not too long ago, and I was mentioning bands that had just vanished off the face of the earth. And I just, I had uh, briefly, I was like, "Yeah, it was a band, and they were really good, and then I found them on MySpace, and then they, I thought they were a bigger band, and then they just disappeared off the face of the earth." And I'm like, "And I think their name was," and he goes, "Is it Plu?" And I'm like, "Yes. Have you ever heard of Plu?" And I'm like, "I've, I've stumbled on their MySpace page like 15 years ago." He goes, "Oh, they were great." And I'm like, "See, that's that's a band yeah. I missed. Yeah. I don't know who these people are." Where they came from, but I still remember one of their songs in my head to this oh, day, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, "This is amazing!" And it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Um, like for instance, uh, I don't know where my mind's going this direction, but so back to yeah, back to when I first met you guys, we were doing uh, Nick and I did the radio show mm -hmm. at, at UCA, and of course immediately when when we're like we're gonna be on the radio the first thing nick does of course he brings a signaling cd he goes, <laughs> he goes i know that we're not just gonna sit and talk about ourselves but we can put this song because we have a show at the sound set i'm like that's fine cool yeah, whatever yeah. you know i make the necessary edits in there because you can't do anything on college radio without getting thrown into jail sure whatever but you know so i'm you know we've got the three songs in that ep and i've i've listened to it a handful of times and then i go to your guys' show and i'm like oh, okay this is great these are my friends i've I've kind of heard them in practice, but not really. And but this is in a show setting. I'm sitting here listening, and then I don't know which song it was. One of the songs that I'd heard before. You guys start playing it, and I go, oh, I know this song. And it just it's it's like when you go see a, you know a big ticket band or something. Like that. Yeah. It, just, it clicks in my head. I'm like, I know this song, and it just it. it I was like this is this is very exciting, you know. <laughs> this I is, felt this is big for me. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird to me that to you know think of that, and I'm like. But it, that's that's that effect there, and like I, I kind of knew you guys at that point, mm -hmm. but, but I knew this song, but I'd listened to the song over and over, and that was familiar to me. And then to hear it perform live, it was like, oh, holy shit, I know this, you know. <laughs> it's all real now. Yeah, and Nick only lost his voice like halfway through the song. So. <laughs> 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 that one's good. That one's good fun. Um, I like asking people this because I know I always did. Did you ever have? Well, what was okay? Before I get to that one, uh, was music always just kind of like I like music. I want to get out there and just be in a band and do things. Or did you ever have any like loftier goals of? I don't know. I, I want to make something of this. Was there ever a point in time where you're like, maybe I could do something with music? Um, the, the probably the closest. So like, oh, I think I could make music my living. Uh, had nothing to do with any kind of rock band thing. It was uh, when I was going to college, and I, I've never been good at the question, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Yeah. Um, and so I like music. I like playing music. I'm going to be in the band program at UCA. Maybe I'll be a music major. But I didn't declare anything. It was just kind of you know, and, and that's the closest I ever got. And that took all of about a day in the music program at UCA. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, I, I think, you know, as far as like in like a, a rock band type setting, I've always been pretty realistic about the whole thing. I never thought like, oh, we're just one good show away from stardom. It was just, I like doing it. I'm hanging out with my friends. It's a good time. Um, if something happens, great, but I've never thought like, this is going to go, you know, it, 
and I've, I've been in some bands that I thought, you know, given the right setting, right time, right place, could have gone somewhere. Yeah. But that was never an expectation. Never anything I was going to set my career, I guess, aside for. Like, right. I was never... I'd already, you know, I'd already been in college. I'd already started jobs that I was making okay money. I'm like, I'm going for the sure thing. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm selling out, baby. Well, I mean, that's 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 the choice you have to make yeah. at some point in your life. Is, you know, do I want to live in a van with a bunch of dudes sweating it out to twenty bucks a night, mm-hmm. or do I want to, you know, have a house where I can go to sleep at night and yeah. tell the kids to get off my lawn? You know, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things. Well, yeah. Well, then let me ask you this then, guys, that's because that's always something I always wonder. Is like, because we all. I feel like everybody at some point probably has this, this minuscule little like, I'm going to be in a band, I'm going to be famous, and, yeah. and then that immediately goes away when you realize that that's a very un- not obtainable goal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but did you have did you ever have a bucket list of like musical like checklists? You're like, this is these are the things I want to accomplish. Uh, yeah, um, playing certain places like Old Juanita's Rev Room. Um, I would have liked to have done like a something bigger, like a River Fest or something. Got real close, real close, but uh, it didn't pan out. How did it really that was? I thought so. Uh, well, I, well, I say real close. That's probably not accurate. Probably not as close as I would have liked. Uh, when Jeff was on your show and he said something about playing Sticky Fingers, yeah, I was at that show, and I remember it was Jeff or Clayton came up to me and was like, you know, hey, our drummer's about to move out of state. Um, we may be looking for a drummer. Are you down? And I said, yes. He's like, well, look, she's going to try to make it work, but being realistic, she's moving, like, several hours away. Mm. She made it work. And more, <laughs> and more power to her. <laughs> but, what a bitch. No, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, because I was like, oh, man, you know, that's, this is a different experience for me, because I'm used to playing in bands. Like, I don't usually do cover bands, right? Yeah. So I'm used to playing, like, 30-minute sets off the stage and going. They're doing, like, you know, hour-long, sh- or several-hour shows, but they make good money. I'm like... This is going to be fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, it, it never panned out, and that's, that's quite all right. So it could have been you on the stage watching Jeff break Jeff his back. Jeff break his back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Walk by him and he's laying on the ground. Suck to suck, buddy. Yeah. I, I felt really bad for laughing hard about it as I did, <laughs> but I was laughing at it. And then I told, I, I told my wife about that, and she's like, uh, that, all right. Like, <laughs> You're a didn't monster. find that as funny as I did, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, so you had that, you wanted to play bigger things, anything else? Uh, certain songs, like, and it, it's stupid, I guess it's my realistic goals. Um, like, you know, when I was, you know, I said like I was in high school, dude, the best we really were doing were shitty covers. Yeah. And there was a song that I just loved, I wanted to play, it was Possum Kingdom by the Toads. Mm-hmm. And it's not a complicated song. It, it, the, the, the trickiest part about it is it's constantly shifting times it's just bouncing between four four and three four yeah that's it that's really all it does but every band i was in you know in high school i'm like there's no way we'll pull this off like it's attention attention spans aren't there like and burning the past did it finally at one point like you know we were in our, our repertoire for a little well, repertoire for a little bit and it's just st- simple stuff like that like oh, i really want to play this song in a band and that was one of those like since junior high i want to do this song yeah and then hey i can we can do this song <laughs> Yeah, just stuff like that. Um, uh, some of the stuff I've been working on more recently is I, I wanted to when when Burning the Past first started, and we uh, of course the first few years we're just trying to play shows and get you know, get people interested. 
And so most of the things we're writing were very much for vocals, two guitars, bass, and drums. Mm-hmm. Right? I-, I wanted to do more experimental stuff. I wanted to do stuff that where you didn't have to worry so much about playing, recreating live. Yeah. And so, like, you know, we released a cover of I'm Afraid of Americans last year, and it has a lot of electronic elements. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just a lot more experimental stuff. Um, again, probably to hide whatever. <laughs> to match whatever lack of talent that I've got. I can throw keyboards at this. Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, nothing crazy. No luck, you know. I mean, I've, I've opened for a few people who are somewhat bigger names now. I've opened for Pop Evil uh, when they were up and coming. Oh. I read, yeah, I read a play the show. I, I left. We played and I bounced. <laughs> like, the guitarist was nice. He, he, you know, he talked to us for a minute. Uh, I had heard a couple of songs and it wasn't, you know, my speed. Those are more power to you. I'll have a good show. Good night. I'm going back home. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. Just yeah. very obtainable, uh, <laughs> small scale. Uh, I'm not a dreamer. As long as you have something. Because, you know, again, there's a, there's, I feel like there's three types of musicians out there. There's the guys that are just, Hey, we're gonna throw some music together. We're gonna drink and score some chicks. There's mm. there's those guys who are just in it to have fun, whatever, and that's fine. They're the guys who are like, I'm gonna have fun, but I want to achieve at least something. And then you know, then there's the I'm this is me. This, I'm, this is me all the way. Yeah. And none of those are necessarily like the right or wrong way to, to live. Mm. It's, it's whatever your passion is. But I feel like everybody at some point who gets passionate about music, yeah, they have some kind of a a list. And I always hear about. Um, Called manifesting or something, you know, where it's like you write down your goals and you go, "This is what I want." Like, wish I want to do. Yeah, it yeah, kind of wish thing. it. You know, like I'm going to make this happen, and you know, and, and it could be said about if that if that works or not, or if it's just you know, when you have a set goal in your mind, you, you steer your boat that yeah. direction or whatever. Um, so yeah, you can have the, like these super lofty goals, but you also but you have to have like I like to look at it more like if if my goal is the top of the ladder, well, I need to imagine the rungs right. going up the ladder yeah. first. Um, so I, I yeah, but it was similar things like you're saying. It's like I want to, rec- I want to be in a band. Yeah. I want to record a song or an album. I want to play a show, and then from there it branches off. It's like, oh, I can do this. Let's, let's do, you know. Actually, you reminded me one one of my bucket list things I wanted to do was uh, do not necessarily an album, just some some song. Do some recordings where I'm doing, if not the drums and guitar. Mm-hmm. And like with TV Forever, you know, like two or three other tracks and doing drums as well as the guitar. Like that was one of those weird little small but attainable goals that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the people who have like, you know, the different types of personalities. I remember there was this band out of Memphis that we played. Uh, we met at a, a Hurt show. I think they were uh, the opener. And Tracy and I got to talking to them and kind of struck up a, not a friendship, a, a loose acquaintance, a, a Facebook friendship. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know, always good to us. They, when they played again, you know, they made sure we opened for them and stuff like that. You know, they, they, they didn't have to go out of the way and do that. Yeah. But I remember I was talking to them at a show one time, and uh, we were just talking about different things, different goals, and what we're going to do. Like, we all come to Memphis sometime and, you know, play some shows there, and we'll get you into some, uh, some of the, some connections there. I'm like, man, let's see what we can do because it's, it's kind of hard to schedule. You know, our Anthony lived two and a half hours away, so just yeah. him being in the band was a big time commitment for him yeah um 
I was like, you know, I, I, you've got to see what we can do because he might not be able to do this. Can't, you know, can't do this. this. And he's like, can't, uh, can't have a, can't have can't in your heart, brother. I'm like, man, I've got way too much can't in my heart. <laughs> Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Yeah. One of the biggest bummers, and, and it's it's one of those things, just like anything in life, is like don't look back on like regrets of things that could have been. Yeah. But I look back on. Uh, I mean, all, all the bands that I've seen and, and the, the opportunities that I've heard that other folks have had and it didn't pan out or, or even stuff with 2-3 that didn't pan out that probably were never like a legit option but they were potentially there got declined or another that I'm like, oh man, that would have been that would have been neat like, I, when I was thinking about this doing this podcast I was like, what are some of those and I don't know if you remember that we almost or we got booked and then we were like well, we can't legitimately do this to do um the, the after party for the zombie walk that was like out in like Washington D.C. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, because you know that, that was around the time when they were doing all like these fun walks. You pay the money and they do things, but this one was like specifically zombie themed, yeah. so they would attack you during the race or whatever. And I, I'm looking back on that. I'm like, why did we do that? I'm like, oh, because it was you know four states over, we would have had to get a van and all this. And I'm like, I look at it now and I go, why didn't we just do that? It's like just ever. It would probably the reality is probably like work schedules. Yeah. So somebody yeah. couldn't take the day off yeah. or something. But I'm like, anything else that was a problem, like if it was, hey, to to rent a van or to find, I'm like, just do it. That mm. would have been. And then we could said, yeah, we played a show, you know, four states over yeah, right. for a bunch of sweaty people who didn't want to listen to us. But it was. But we a did thing it. We did, you know. And I always just wonder about stuff like that, like. It, it's okay that it didn't happen, but you know, yeah. like oh, things that could have been. We we almost we I say almost, but I'm like it didn't go past. You know, we almost played at Barton Coliseum. You know, right. we're remembering uh, growing up. I'm like that's where the monster trucks come. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I could have done my claim to fame, but I played Barton. Marilyn Manson played Barton a couple of years. Right. Ago. Which surprises me because I didn't think Barton Coliseum still existed. I thought it got torn down in the late nineties. Marilyn Manson ain't gonna exist much longer. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, he got in trouble. Oh man, though. he sucks. <laughs> Folks, do 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 better things. With yeah. Hey, don't sexually assault people. <laughs> PSA. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. It might be a good thing to keep in keep in mind there. Um, is there ever been, I don't know, a, a, a happy accident or a crazy disaster or something that you're like, oh no, at a show that, that you can think of that was just like, oh, this is what we're doing now, or something that could have mm. potentially been really bad, or was. I'm sure there has, but I'm, I don't know if there's been anything specific. Have you gotten hurt on the show? No. No? No. Well, I mean, I've got a nagging thing in my wrist that if I play drums for too long, like, it's just like electricity shooting up my wrist. But that's not really getting hurt on the show. That's just... No, that's been a baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought I was going to get hurt. I, remember, I think it was a T3 show at uh, Downtown Music. And there was a band that was playing before us, and their bass player or whatever was standing right where I stand, and my equipment was already backlined, and I remember this dude was trashed, like, just gone. And I remember watching him, he was barely playing, because he was just 
you know, it's, I'm, I would be surprised if somebody was like dressed in black all behind him, like holding him up and moving <laughs> his arms like a, a marionette. But I just remember watching him like, oh, this dude's going to pass out, like <laughs> making bets with myself, like, okay, is he going to go in this uh, And all of a sudden he just, whoop, and just vomits all over the stage. Oh, no. <laughs> like, two feet from my equipment. I'm pretty sure, like, right on, like, where the power strip was or amps were plugged in, I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> I've got to go up there next. Man, no, I, I I can't think of anything. That's that's a good interview right there. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a good I'm a good interviewee. I bet that means that you're a lot safer on stage than the rest of us. I feel like everyone else has a terrible story or something that's happened. I mean, I haven't so much gotten hurt at shows other than like Bill flinging me around, mm-hmm. yeah. like without supporting my back, and that wrecked my back for a couple of years. Um, I got more hurt just. Hort. I got hort at different shows. More going, just going to concerts because um, my favorite thing to do. I go to a concert now. I'm like, I don't know about it now, but I I would never enjoy a concert unless I was down. Not necessarily in like in the mosh pit, but I want to be down yeah, in, sure. in the floor. Yeah. I want to move with the crowd. I want because the experience yeah, of it totally is 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 more than you know. Like if I'm sitting in a, in a chair, yeah, I'm sure it sounds good, but I'm like, I could do this in my car. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I can't count how many times I've gotten kicked or punched in the face or whatever. And I'm like, I've, I've never been in a fight, a fist fight, like in my entire life. I've been close many times, but I've been punched more times than I can count. And by me trying to be innocent here, by no fault of my own. <laughs> Officer, I promise. Never me doing anything. And I keep, I've gotten punched so many times. And it's like, why me? You know, it's, I, I've punched people at concerts. Nice. Uh, we, were, we were actually talking about this today at work. Um, this different co- One of my buddies was saying that he was at a, uh, a concert. Uh, it was like uh, Asking Alexandria or something like that. One of those type bands 10, 15 years ago. And they were filming a video for one of their songs. And he said there was this dude who was in the pit just being way too rough. And like his buddy just like charges and just Superman punches him. <laughs> and that's in the video. Nice. <laughs> uh, but no, we were talking about just stuff like that at concerts. And... I was trying to think of the times I've had to like get handsy with somebody at a show. Um, I remember there was there was one. I was at a Deftones concert in, at the New Daisy in Memphis. And if you've never been to the New Daisy, at least back then, I don't know what it's like now. There's like the there's the floor, and then towards the back of the house, there's like a, a, a raised part of the concrete with maybe two or three feet up, mm-hmm. and there's like a railing there. And that's where I was. It wasn't like in the floor, like in the pit, but I was just, just behind it, maybe 40 feet back from the stage. Yes. And there was this dude, big guy in the in the pit, and he's just beating the shit out of this girl. Yeah. And like the audience is like, they're, the, the, the pit kind of stopped. They're trying to get her out of there. I mean, she's, yeah. she's out. Mm-hmm. It's a real scary situation. And they start trying to pull her out and at the same time push him back. Yeah. And... They gang up and they start pushing him back towards the railroad, coming right at me. Mm. And I just elbow shot the dude in the base <laughs> of the neck and he drops like a fucking sack of potatoes. <laughs> uh, there was a dude at a show at uh, uh, the amphitheater in Little Rock. May have been a Deftone show there too. Uh, but no, it wasn't Deftone. I don't know who it was. But anyway, there was a. Big dude, and he was just punching the shit out of people in the pit. Like, he wasn't there to that much. He was there to beat people up. 
and he gets pushed back past me. He kind of shoulder bumps me uh, and gets pushed back to the back of the pit where the group I was with was there on the, on the outside of the pit. Mm-hmm. And they collectively like, rear back and, and push the dude as hard as they can. It's like three beefy boys. They, they got some push on him. And I see this happen. That dude eats shit and skids like five feet of the rocks. It just gets up. He's just kind of bloody and just leaves. <laughs> I mean, that's how it is. I get violent, but it's usually for a good cause. Yeah. That's the only other time I had, and this was uh, not at a concert, but after a concert, it was the, the, the infamous Waffle House fight. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Jay was putting on a show, like he was booking it, like he wasn't performing, he was booking it. And I was filming stuff for him, for his website at the time, for his YouTube channel. And. Juanita's screwed him over on pay. And like, I mean, he can go into details if he hasn't already. Or, or they, they screwed him over pretty hard. And, of course, Jay, rightfully so, stood up for himself, and they threw him out. And he just texted me. He's like, hey, I'm home. Just finished recording whenever and just come out to the house. So I did, like, a couple more songs. And I'm like, I'm going to see what's up. And so we go over to his house, and he's just, you know, telling us the whole story and just... We're all getting pissed because he got screwed over pretty hard. And uh, he's like, let's, let's go to Waffle House. I'm like, you bet, man. So we go. And it was me, Tracy, and Jay. And of course, we're eating, we're having a good time, just trying to take his mind off the night because it was just ugly. And Jay's got a very loud, boisterous laugh. It fills a room, right? <laughs> um, there's some younger kids at the booth behind Jay. And I think I hear it before he does, that he'll say something kind of loud or laugh or whatever, and I hear these little fuckers mimicking him and mocking him. And I'm just like, I hear it the first time, I'm just like, fuck. Here we go. And it happens again, Jay hears it. And Jay turns around and goes, look, man, it didn't have to be like this. I'm just trying to have a good night. We just leave it at that. And this kid starts talking about, you've got a snub nose and this trunk of his car or whatever and he's gonna fuck us up blah 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 I look at Tracy like can you can you believe this shit I turn around they're on the ground scrapping so I start trying to pull the, the, the little dude up and uh, he's got a bloody nose at this point oh, wow. Jay's like did you hit him no, no man that was all you <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he uh, I start trying to pull him up then, like, his girl gets in my face telling me, I like, don't pull on his clothes. I'm like, he's hitting my friend. Like, I don't care about his clothes. Mm. Well, as that's happening, the other dude out of my you know, blind spot, like, haymakers me right in the head. Like, smacks me right in the face, breaks my glasses. But it didn't hurt. I mean, dude was tiny. And Tra- Tracy said it was the scariest fucking thing she'd ever seen. Because he hits me, my head goes sideways, my glasses fly off, and I just turn it back and smile and say, my turn. They get up and leave. going through the glass window. <laughs> like, I was hot. Like, I'm just trying to break it up, and you just smack me in the face blind. Cops got called, uh, but Waffle House staff had our back. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a fun night. You know, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. I remember hearing about that story. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. Waffle, nothing good happens at Waffle House past, well, ever. Never. Nothing good Never. happens at Waffle House except for the hash browns. I know. There... I wanted, I wanted to, I talked to Jameson about this, and it didn't end up 
getting recorded, but we, uh, after one of their shows when he was playing with Bel Air, uh, we, you know, they're all like, let's go to Waffle House and eat. And I'm like, okay. So we go there and he's kind of out of it. He had a, he'd had one too many, I think. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but we're all talking, we're having a good time and everything. And then, you know, the end of the evening is here. People are paying their checks. He's half awake, half asleep here. And I'm like, okay. And then we all start to get up and then he, he's looking at something. He's like, you guys go on ahead. I'll be right back. And I'm like, okay. So we, we head outside, but you know, Waffle House has a giant windows here. We're out in the parking lot talking, and I'm like, time is going by. And I look back, and I see Jameson inside, and I just see uh, the waitress looking at him. They're talking and, and whatever, and I see, like, the waitress's arms are flailing around. He's pointing. They're doing this kind of thing. And then he kind of flail, puts his hands up in the air and then turns around and walks out. I'm like, I think something is happening inside the Waffle House. And that's what's then, um, you know, he comes out, but he's, he, he's now speed walking. And we're like, hey, are you okay? We have to leave. <laughs> We have to leave right now. What? What's going? On? I didn't pay the bill. We have to. He goes past me, starts getting in the car, and everyone's like, "Ah!" So everyone just kind of scatters. And you know, I look back in the, into the mirror, and yeah, of course now now the Waffle House staff is like gathering, they're looking at the window, and they're pointing at us, and I'm like, "Do you need me to go pay your bill?" He goes, "No, it's too, it's too late for that now. We're leaving." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're right. Nothing nothing good ever. Nothing good ever happens at Waffle House. It's just one of those things. It's been a long night for everybody. It's oh, all good. Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, do you have any um, any of your musical projects or things that you want to point people towards or uh, draw attention to? I mean, I'm not do. I haven't put much out right now. I'm. I keep telling myself I'm gonna get some things out there and ready, and eventually I would like to say yeah. Uh, I mean, at some point I'll have some brand the past stuff recorded. At some point we'll have some T3 stuff recorded. Uh, Hopefully, I, I've, I've been talking to Nick, so I'm trying to get him back in the fold a bit. Hopefully, we can be productive on both fronts, T3 and Burn the Pet, mm. uh, down the road. But things have to get a little less chaotic. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but yeah, no, not right now. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stay under the radar as best I can. <laughs> Sometimes that's all we want. That's all we need. So maybe, maybe, maybe thinking twice about that decision years ago to go. No, I want to. I want a job. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be abandoned, travel, and never be I home. I think I'm going to try to do the tour musician thing for a while. <laughs> uh, it seems like a lot less stress. You can make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta not show up to work tomorrow. See you guys in six months. Uh, Good luck. Thank <laughs> you.